And okay, we're good to go. You're listening to Humanize Me with Bart Campolo. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am Bart Campolo, the humanist chaplain at the University of Cincinnati, among other things. And this is uh, my podcast. But it's not only my podcast. It's your podcast if you listen to it or if you support it. And it's John Wright's podcast because he produces it. And John, you're right here, aren't you? <laughs> I sure am. You're, you're hiding behind a microphone somewhere, but you're here. As I usually am. Yeah, I'm very silent usually on this thing. Come out and say hello to the people. Hello, people. Yeah. That's good to have you, man. Yeah, it's great. I, well, I mean, I'm I'm excited. I I, I guess you got to tell the people what we're what we're doing here and why your producer is talking on the microphone. Yeah, I mean, you have been my silent partner since the very beginning of this podcast, but almost since I moved back to Cincinnati, I feel kind of I feel alone in this podcasting thing, mm-hmm. and and so you know, I got to the point where I was like desperate, and I was like reaching out, and you said, "Listen, I could." I could do more, like I could participate more. And so you and Melissa, your wife, are sort Who's of- awesome. Yeah, it, who is awesome. And we should probably have her on the podcast at some point, but- We should. But like what we thought was, we'll do this thing where I'll still do the regular episodes where I interview people and I talk to people, but you know how I was doing those solo episodes, but it's hard just to do a solo episode solo. And so the idea here would yeah. be like- I'm getting all these questions from from listeners and you're going to help me process those questions. Yeah, we get so many questions into the podcast, both on the Humanize Me group and also I guess you get a lot by email, don't you? Oh my gosh. Yeah, lots and lots. And people want to know how to live this life that you are talking about on the podcast. Yeah, or they just want, like, do you know somebody who knows about this? Or do you know a book that would be helpful for me on this? Or whatever it is. I mean, yeah, people do. They're, they're, the, the, the whole kind of conceit of this show is how do we make the most of our lives? If this is the only life that we have, how do we make the most of it by loving people and building great relationships and by making the world better and by cultivating a sense of gratitude for the wonder of human consciousness in the first place. And what's interesting is people go like, okay, that's, that's, those are really sweet little categories. Like, okay, what do I do about my aunt Sally? Yeah. Yeah. What do I do with the situation I'm facing in my life? Yeah. And so I, yeah. what, what's happened is I've gotten so almost overwhelmed because I spend a lot of time answering these emails and eventually, you know, it sort of dawns on you. I can't answer every email and, and like I'll do, an hour of work on an email for some, and I'll send it to one person. And mm. so the theory on this right now is like, maybe what we should do is pull that question in. Maybe it's not, maybe that person's articulating a question that lots of people have and we'll talk about it and we'll do our best to throw out some helpful stuff on it. And that way, the same amount of work in f- trying to sensitively answer the question will maybe benefit more people. I love it. 
Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And and so this is a new direction in a way for you because a lot of people have been asking these questions, but then it's been a private conversation essentially. And if this can be if this can be a big part of the podcast going forward, then it can help a lot more people, I think. Yeah. And of course for me it's even more private than it is for most people because I don't do the social media thing very well. And so it's not like I have nobody's gonna even overhear a conversation on Facebook. I mean, I'm going to try to do better at being part of the Humanize Me Facebook group. And that's where- You are? Yeah, I I really am because that's where a lot of these questions come from. I mean, like when you bring me questions, you're almost always lifting them from there. I get emails from people, but you're almost always lifting them from that Facebook conversation. No, it's true. And I I would love if you could be more, and I know the people in in that group would love it if you could be more uh, active there too. So, I mean, in in a lot of ways, I think that- we are on on a mission right now. And the mission is not only to make this podcast better, but to kind of work together to make this entire community more kind of cohesive. Yeah. And to put out better content. Um, You know, it's funny, like uh, we're doing this Patreon thing where people are sponsoring the podcast for, you know, a dollar or $2 or $5 a month. Mm -hmm. And And as more people sign up to do that, like, I guess I feel like, like, okay, well, we probably need to just, they're saying, please produce more content. Not that long ago, I flew out to Seattle to speak at the East Lake Community Church there, which is Ryan Meek's church, who was on the podcast. You know, they, Yeah, he was uh, episode 302. Right. The, the, you know, the megachurch pastor who basically goes through this this huge humanistic transition and and kind of takes his church and his staff with him. It, it just felt like a community. And yes. and what was funny was, is that I got there and their staff took me out to dinner and they kept me up late asking questions and talking about stuff. And I was like, look, I got to go to bed. And they're like, you don't understand. We don't know anybody else who's doing this thing like we are. And so like, mm-hmm. you're the only person we've had to talk to in a long time, like from the outside who kind of is is gets this secular community building thing. And it, and and so there were some podcast people that showed up. There were people that came up and said, yeah, yeah, I, I listened to the show. And that's why, like, I heard you say that I was going to, you were going to be here. So I, this one, one guy drove an hour to get there. Um, so cool. And it just, it felt awesome, but it also felt like, oh yeah, this is starting to happen. Like we've got a community. Yeah. People. Yeah. We've got people. We've got some people. And so. Yeah. And they, and they're very enthusiastic too. You know, it's not like, I mean, so you know the kind of emails that you get. People are very pleased to have found you well, for and, the most and, part. And each other. I mean, they're just and like, each this, other, is and a, each other. this is a conversation they want to be part of. When I was up doing that thing with Sean McDowell, that sort of dialogue thing up in Canada. Yeah, this, that was cool. Yeah, this woman and her mother showed up who were podcast people. And, and the young woman had an orange shirt. She had made a homemade Humanize Me t-shirt. And it was it was just so cool. I mean, it's funny. I think we took a picture, but I forgot to tell her to send it to me. Um, so if so you're if you're out if there, you're out, <laughs> hey, orange T-shirt girl, you were amazing. Like, send me a picture of that T-shirt. Um, Makes me think we should have T-shirts. We probably should have T-shirts. And that's the thing. We like, have a cool logo. Yeah. And with this whole Patreon thing and as people are getting involved, like, I think we're going to start to try to do more of that stuff. But in the meantime, honestly, as I'm talking to you, I'm like, I, I, I fear that there are people out there screaming and yelling and gnashing their teeth and going like, oh shit, is this going to become some overproduced? Are, are we going to try to be slick and smooth? 
And are we going to have our radio voices on? Yeah, exactly. And, and no, we're not going to do that. No, we're not going to do that. I mean, and it's funny, you could do that. You actually have a radio show. You, you <laughs> I, I have a radio job, but I don't have the voice. I don't do that voice thing. There are uh, people in radio that changed all that. And we should be very grateful that, you know, you don't need to like put on an affect to thank, be on, thank, to, to do a thing anymore. Yeah. Thank you, Howard Stern. Thanks, Howard. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we, so, so the idea on this is like, we're still going to do, I'm still going to do the regular podcasts, like the regular episodes. Um, but then we're going to intersperse them with some episodes where you come in kind of on behalf of the audience. The community. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, yeah exactly. The community. You'll fire away and I'll do my best to kind of. Yeah. So I'll, I'll ask you the question. And very often these are things that other people have. They're always other people have sent in. But depending on where they've sent them, uh, they may be long form, short form, whatever. I'll just give you the question. And then maybe you and I can have a conversation about it. Yeah, that's great. Do you, I mean, yeah. you got one? I do. Okay, go for it. I mean, like, see, right. now, you see, now there's, there was a moment of radio insincerity right there. <laughs> like, like, it's not like, like, I sent you an email and you said, yeah, I've got a question I think we should talk about. So, like, that was just totally ingenuine of me to, like, go, like, do you have one? Like, well, as a matter of fact, Bart, I do. All right, so just read me the damn question that you that <laughs> I already knew that you from... had. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> All right. So this one does come from uh, the UK, which is where I am from, even though I don't sound like it anymore. Uh, the question is from a guy called Mark. He says, hi, Bart. He says, I first heard you on the Thinking Atheist podcast. I, f I have a feeling that a lot of our audience found you on podcasts like that, Thinking Atheist and, and stuff like that. Uh, and he says, and yours has quickly become one of my go-to podcasts for lifting my spirits. One topic I haven't heard you cover yet that I think would make a great one for the podcast is how we interact with homeless people begging on the street. I know you've got tons of experience helping them and seem to have made it a component of your life's work, but what's a good productive approach for the rest of us who have all-consuming careers, and he says, I'm an academic research scientist, and who can spare but a moment and maybe some spare change for the homeless that we see on the streets. Similarly, what's a good approach when we encounter the homeless in remote cities or other countries? To me, he says, it seems dismissive merely to toss some coins in a hat and walk away. But I know from experience that striking a conversation can open a whole can of worms, especially if the person has severe emotional problems or delusions. I'd really like to hear your perspective on this all too common experience. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's becoming more common. Um, when I go to cities all over the place, I feel like there are more people standing on the road with the signs. There are more people kind of everywhere I go. I mean, particularly the time I spent in Los Angeles, I mean, yeah, the, the amount of just tents and, you know, huge enclaves of homeless people that are sort of setting up shop for the long haul. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's overwhelming. I mean, and Marty, my wife, that's kind of her game these days. I mean, she is the, she, she's working remotely, but she's kind of the operations person for an organization called Friends Indeed in Pasadena that addresses particularly the needs of homeless women up there. And so, you know, I, I, I do, I think about this a lot. And it's certainly when, you know, when I was living in Walnut Hills where in Cincinnati and where I'm back now, but for those nine years when I was on the street working with people, 
you know, it was it was every day, and most of the time it was the same people and people I knew and knew by name and had hung out with. And so it does. It's a big question, like what do you do in that situation? And I, I would say that after years and years of working in the inner city, if there's anything that I've sort of, I mean, I think like you sort of take it for starters. You go like, we're this is humanized me, and we're humanists, and so what we're trying to figure out is. Not just like, how do we get out of a difficult situation, but how do we, how do we lovingly relate to people? Because like, you know, when we talk about loving relationships, you know, sometimes you think like, well, that, that means like with my wife or with my kid or with my best friend, we're always thinking of these long-term relationships, but there's, you know, like all relationships are temporal. Like everyone, you know, will die. Um, and every relationship you have has a lifespan and and sometimes even a relationship can only be for like a half an hour or can be for five minutes on a bus ride but like it's still a relationship it has a beginning and sometimes it has a it has an ending that comes really quickly but there's an arc in that relationship and so like i tend to think about you know how do we lovingly relate to people and uh and how do we make things better for them as well as kind of dealing with our discomfort and it really is uncomfortable a lot of times when somebody hits us up for money that way. Um, I think the first thing I would say is that that problem would always catch you. And, and, and what I don't do is I no longer think about what I'm doing in the moment. Since I know that moment's coming, there was a time years ago where I sort of sat down and I did my research and I thought it through and I talked to some people who work with the homeless and I tried to figure out like, ultimately, should I give money or should I not? And I came to the conclusion that in the, in the situations that I was in, it was unwise and unhelpful for me to be handing out dollar bills. Um, and so that's a decision that I made once and for all. Like I never give money. Um, and why Why is that? It, it, was it because you th- you think they'll buy booze with it? I mean, I, 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 I'm sure there's an element of that. But what it is is like I decided that if I gave somebody a dollar, when, when, when I talk to homeless people, because like I got, you know, I have, I have friends who have been in that situation. And what, what I started to realize is, is that they know that, that the reason the person's giving them the dollar is not because they think that would, that's really going to alleviate their problem or help them in a significant way. It's a way of getting out of the situation. Like, mm. here's a dollar to leave me alone. Here's a dollar so I don't have to think about your problem. And, and I thought like, you know, that's, I, that's, it, it didn't feel right to me. But the other thing is like, I don't know where that money's going to go. I don't like, I don't necessarily want to feed anybody's drug and alcohol habit. Um, but I also like, I don't think that's the most effective, you know, if, if you were going to talk to like effective altruism, I don't think that like laying down dollars, a dollar at a time like that, that's not really the most effective way. If you took all the dollars I was going to give away and you said like, hey, there's $50 this year. What could is there? What could you do to alleviate homelessness with fifty dollars? Is there some is there some organization you could give it to? Is there some project you could work on? It, would there be? How about how about if you gave an afternoon of your time? Could you do something something with that same amount of psychic energy that would be more significant? 
Mm, I um, gotcha. So for me, like, I don't give money. Um, but when I thought it through, one of the things that I learned and that, and that I really believe is that one of the harshest things that happens to homeless people and to people that are panhandling is, is that people don't, it's not just that people don't give them money, it's that people don't look at them. They become objects. They become street furniture. They, they become things. And so one of the commitments that I do have is, is if somebody asks me for money, I'm going to look them in the eye and I'm going to speak to them and I'm going to treat them like a human being. And generally speaking, I look them in the eye and say like, I'm sorry, I don't have anything for you today. And you say, but mm-hmm. Bart, you have $15 in your pocket. I go like, I know, I don't have anything. But it's not for them. It's not for them. Yeah. That, that, that money is earmarked for other purposes that it's not for them. And so I'm like, I'm sorry, not today. Um, but it's important to make the eye contact and, and to say hello and, you know, to humanize the other person in that sense, to treat them as a fellow human and to talk to them. And so- Do you ever get into longer conversations? I do sometimes. And so one of the questions I ask myself when I'm, when I'm out there is like, do I have time to engage this person? Because while I, while I do not give people dollars, every now and then I will say to somebody, if I have the time and I, and, and I am, and, I, and I'm in a situation where I feel safe. And this is not, and, 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 and like, again, like I spend a lot of time in the inner city. I've worked with a lot of poor people. I'm very comfortable engaging people. I'm not suggesting everybody can do this, but occasionally I'll stop and I'll say, hey, you know what? I'm actually on my way to lunch right now. Um, I'm just going to grab something here. Do you, like, would you want to have lunch with me? Like, would you want to, would you want to have lunch and talk with me? And sometimes somebody will go like, no, like, fuck you. Like, I just wanted the money. <laughs> um, but every now and then somebody say like, yeah, that would be fine. And like, if I have time, I don't just buy them a sandwich. I buy myself a sandwich and I sit down and I eat with them. And again, like you go like, well, that's like, how does that help them? And I go like, I, I don't know that it helps them materially, but I know that it, it matters to be dignified with the conversation. And, 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 you know, and then like, it's funny because then I had to do further research to figure out like, what are the appropriate things to say to a homeless person? And what are the appropriate things to talk about? Like, like something that I, I, sometimes you're prone to say, it's like, gosh, you seem like too smart to be homeless. Or like, I'm really surprised. You, you don't seem like the average homeless person, which is mm. really not a good thing to say. Right. Um, but a lot of times I will stop and, 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 and I, I don't want to say a lot of times, occasionally I will stop and have that conversation. And how, what are some good things to say? I mean, can you just ask questions, open-ended questions? Yeah. I mean, one of the things I'll say is like, so like, I mean, here in Cincinnati, I go like, so is Cincinnati, did you grow up here? Mm. You know, and, and, and you know, no, no, yeah, I grew up here. I always lived here. You know, what neighborhood? And, and we'll talk about that. Or where'd you go to high school? Or they'll say, no, I'm from Seattle. I'm like, what brought you here? How'd you get here? And like, we'll talk stories. And then I'm always, I'm, and then I'll say like, as, you know, I came from Philadelphia and I'll try to connect with their story or tell them my story. And so sometimes it's just story stuff. Or sometimes it's like, wow, it's a beautiful day today. And they'll say, yeah, and I'm like, this was a hard winter. And they're like, yeah, it really was a hard winter. I go like, am I, you know, and again, I'm not, I'm going to acknowledge like, if you're on the street, I'm going to be like, wow, this, like, where do you stay at night? Like, like, I, you know, I, I'm. Yeah, I, this has got to be tough. Yeah. How, how's this working for you? Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, 
but those conversations are rare. It's much more likely that I'll just look at somebody, smile and say, I'm sorry, I don't have anything for you today. And just mm-hmm. keep, and just keep walking. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Because, you know, again, but, but one of the things that is another part of my sort of mental, it's almost like a mindfulness thing is like, when a, when a, when a panhandler hits me up, the question that I always ask myself is like, like okay, I'm saying no to this person. Because I'm, I, I, this isn't my best opportunity to make a difference for for the homeless in my city, but they are my responsibility. So the, the question is like, so what's the end? What's the rest of that thought? What is my best opportunity? Like, what am I doing to alleviate homelessness or to alleviate the pain of people who are without in my city? And so the you know, so the question is like, there's a thing called the Interfaith Housing Network in my city where. Congregations of all different kinds, including secular congregations, um, will volunteer to spend a night with, like, manning a shelter and eating with people um, who are temporarily homeless. And I've many times done that. I've many times been the sleepover guy because somebody has to actually spend the night in the shelter with everybody else. And I, and, and so sometimes when I'm passing that person, I think like, no, I don't have money. I'm not going to give this person money today. But I did do that homeless thing last last month, or I'm going to do it next month, or I haven't scheduled it for a long time. I probably ought to get on that. And so the homeless person is an occasion for me to ask a larger question about hospitality and about good citizenship. And you say, but like, if you see 10 homeless people in a day and you each time you go like, yeah, okay, I'm good on this issue. Like sometimes I see a homeless person, I go like, man, I'm not doing enough. But honestly, sometimes I see a homeless person, I go like, you know what? I'm on that. Like I, I, I'm doing what I, I'm doing the best I, like I'm, I'm making that contribution. But cause the other thing is like homelessness is not my primary way of impacting the world. You know, using like, your, using your resources and efforts wisely yeah, or like, in, a, in a focused way. Some of us are, some of us are coaching little leagues. Some of us are working on a water purification system at, at our research laboratory. And so one of the questions is like, okay, if you're not going to do this that gets put in your face, what are you doing? What should you, you know? And, and I think that like each of us has to sort of, if we're going to be okay walking by that person, we need to be able to answer the question, in what way is my life contributing to making things better for other people? So um, good. And if you can answer that question, it makes it easier to kind of genuinely sort of say like, in a sense, like, no, there's nothing I can do for you today, but I am doing something. Right. And I right. hope that, and, and, and hopefully something that eventually circles around and benefits the very person that you're walking past. Um, That's so interesting. Do, do you ever find yourself uh, judging homeless people or having negative thoughts about sort of their their choices or situation um or conversely do you ever find yourself kind of going putting it into a category like this is primarily a mental health problem therefore you know the answer is politics on that issue you know we need more more funding for mental health or or do you know what i mean like yeah. actually thinking about the overall reasons that they're there you know in this way i'm kind of lucky because i know people that are like they've never actually had the opportunity to have a long conversation They've never, they've never like eaten lunch in a, in a soup kitchen 
um, mm-hmm. and just sat with people and talked or they've never, they've never known a homeless person over time. And I, I feel like it's written a real privilege in my life that because of the neighborhoods that I've lived in and the, and the stuff that my, the communities I'm a part of have, have, have been doing, I've had that chance. But like the, the more homeless peop- people you get to know, I mean, at some level, you know, like if you've met one homeless person, you've met one homeless person. I mean, the stories are so, I mean, they fall into general categories, but every story has yeah. its own. Dostoevsky once said that all happy families are the same, but each unhappy family is unhappy in its own unique way and has its mm-hmm. own sort of personal tragedy. And that's been my experience with homeless people is that there's a lot of different ways that people get there. I mean, in mental illness, what's funny is like a lot of the mental illness that you see in homeless people is not, that's not what put them homeless. You live out on those streets, you live insecure. I mean, homeless people get beaten up at an incredible rate. People scream and yell horrible dehumanizing things to them. Um, it's scary to be out on the street. Um, right. You know, I have, I have a couple of friends who uh, every every year or two, because they work with that population, will take a couple of nights and they'll sleep out, they'll, you know, they'll just sleep out rough in a city that they don't know. And, you know, and that's the biggest, the thing is terrifying. Um, and, and particularly women, homeless women. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? I mean, they are so vulnerable and they get mm. abused and sexually abused and all kinds of things at rates that would just stagger your imagination. But I think you know what's what's interesting is is that I, I, there's one other thing when you say like do you talk to people, and when I do get in conversations, I, I I increasingly try to end the conversation the same way, um, by saying hey thank you for talking with me. I, I want you to know like I will not forget you. I, I I will remember you. I will think about this. Um, I listened to this Ted talk once where this EMT talked about what happened when he was talking to people and he told them who he knew were dying. And at, at one point he had lied to them and, and, he, and he would say, no, you're going to be fine. But there came a point in his career where he started telling people the truth when they would say, am I dying? And he would say, yeah, yeah, it's, it, it, I'm not, there's nothing I can do. He said one of the most consistent things people said to him was like, will you remember me? That at the end of their lives, people were desperate to feel like, they, they mattered. Would, they mattered. And they, and they wouldn't be forgotten. And I think that that's one of the gifts that you can give to somebody, even if you can't help them materially, is to say, like, I see you. And if you talk to somebody, like, I'll remember you. And so I, I really try to do that. And, and, and in some ways, like the Christian, the old Christian line was, I'll pray for you. And of course, like half the time when I was a Christian, I would say I would pray for people. It was just a way of saying, like, can I leave now? And I, <laughs> and, and, and I, and I wouldn't pray. What's funny is I pray more. Now that I don't believe in God, I'm not praying to anybody. I'm not believing anybody's out there that's going to miraculously do anything. But I articulate my sadness or my hope or my desire that this person finds a better way or that we as a society come up with a better way of dealing with people that are broken or that are, dis- or, or, or that are disenfranchised either by their own fault or by somebody else's fault. Um, but, but I think it's really important to say to somebody like, hey, I see you and I will think about you. I will not forget you. Yeah. When you said, I mean, I don't know what the listener is, how the listener is going to respond to that. But when you said those words, I will not forget you. I mean, it brought a tear to my eye because I just immediately thought of like how meaning, I, I mean, intrinsically, I just know that's a very meaningful thing for yeah. someone to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Especially someone who feels like they're out there on their own. 
Now, that now, might be the ba- that might be a better gift than a dollar, honestly. <laughs> and, and, and I think I mean the, the reality is is that like I'm a white man walking down the street. Like I'm not I I'm not if if I'm a if I'm a young person or a woman um, in, in 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 certain situations, like I may not feel the freedom to like I may not have the luxury of making eye contact. I might be that that might put myself at risk if I see somebody who's who's mentally um, who's clearly mentally deranged talking to themselves in crazy ways. Like I I don't like this is not a one size fits all prescription. These are these are things that these are things to consider. But the one thing I really would say is, it's really good to sit down with a couple of friends in your city, given the, the particular milieu that you're in, and think about like, hey, what's a good way for us to do this? And then and then like try it out for a month, and then get back together and go like, how's that working? Like, does that feel comfortable to us? Because in some ways, one of the reasons I I, I, I I think it's good to work something like this out is, is so that you don't burn mental energy over and over again because you never complete the thought. And so you're, you're oh, what, what did you hear? What should I do this time? What should I do this time? And like, you're always deciding like, like I honestly, like it's the same reason why I wear the same, when I buy a pair of jeans, I buy like two or three pairs of the same jeans and I wear the same jeans every day uh, until they get, dirty and then I wash them and I wear the other pair and, and like you're like so you never think about what pants you're going to wear you wear the same pants every day and I'm like yeah it saves me a lot of mental energy yeah yeah and there are things and there and there are things I really want to think about and I don't want to keep thinking I don't want to keep asking the same questions over and over again well this comes back to what you were saying about money it's about resource management everyone no one's got an infinite amount of resources whether it be material or mental energy or emotional emotional bandwidth you know like every everyone's running around with a with a finite resource yeah and they've got to manage it well yeah i mean it's funny it's, it's, i mean i i got a call the other day from a guy or i got an email from a guy who's like i'm coming through town and i'm one I, i'd love to pick your brains on something can we have lunch together and it and, and and the obvious thing is like, do I have, do I have an hour and a half for lunch with this guy next week? I do. Like I could squeeze him in. But the you rea- also like people a lot. I do. But the, but the like reality to- is if I do that, like it's an app, like there are other, like my close friend, David Thompson is here in town. And you know what? I haven't seen him for six weeks. He didn't happen to email me, but like, honestly, he has more of a right to that time you know or this this kid who lives next door to me who who who's who's maybe who's who's a little bit at loose ends during the day like i would be better off like that kid lives next door to me i'm i'm going to know him for the next 10 years that's the kid i should spend an hour and a half with and so you know i end up writing to this guy and saying like you know i'm sorry like cuz it was just a, it was just a social thing i was like i i can't spare that time and it's not like it's not like i don't have it it's that as a steward of my time, wanting to maximize my resources, wanting to make the most of my life, if you will, sometimes sometimes it's important to to realize that that just because somebody is needy doesn't mean that they're my responsibility. Because mm. there may be somebody else needy who actually is my responsibility and who I'm in a position, like if I expend those resources on Dave, 
it's going to have a much bigger impact because like I'll see him again and again and I'll follow up on things that I know. And like, like I can give more love to Dave in an hour and a half because I've like already learned the ropes of his, of, of, of him. And, and also then that feeds back to me. And, and like, if I do something good with Dave, then later on when I'm in trouble, like Dave's right there and like we have a reciprocal thing going on and you know, like yeah, it's just, yeah. it's just, you know, and, and that gives me more energy for the kid next door. And so. Well, and you start to create sufficient communities then. Yeah. So like people are, it, there's a, there's a coherence to how communities are able to be self-sustaining then. Yeah. I mean, like, and it's funny because that guy was asking about homeless people in a city farther away. And you say like, like, what do you do when you're a city father? Oh, I never give, like, I, like, I, I don't even expend as much time when I'm out of town because like, that's not my city. That's right. not my community. So I, I'm much more concerned to like have a righteous attitude about what's going on in my own community. I want to be right on that stuff. I'm, I'm not, yes. I'm not so worried. Like when I, when I'm on vacation, when I'm somewhere else, like I go like, you know what? The citizens of this city need to address the needs here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so you know, I, I had a friend who was an economist, and he said one thing that happens is he says in wealthier, in healthier communities, which often are wealthier communities, the dollar gets spent like at the baker, and then the baker takes his profits and he goes down the street to the butcher, and then the butcher makes some money off that, and then then that guy goes back around and he goes to the local uh, uh, mechanic and he gets his car fixed. He said when you're in a very poor neighborhood, what happens is, is that the money gets earned, comes in, it gets spent at McDonald's and the money leaves the community after one after one use. It doesn't circle around very much. And so it only has one impact. And I think it's the same way with loving relationships in a community. That one of the reasons I want people not only to have lots of friends, but like when our friends all know each other is, is that acts of kindness and understanding, um, they bounce around and like, I love Joey. And Joey feels better about it. So he's like really good to Vinny and, 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 you know, and then like Vinny's nicer to his daughter. And then like, I need a babysitter and she's right there. And like the, the love circles around in our community and the money circles around and the goodness circles around. And so I think like, I'm really a believer that this homelessness thing is a local, I mean, it's a national problem. It's an international problem, refugees and all that stuff, but like, on some level in an American city, it's a local problem. And, and we should think of it that way. Like, how, like how are we handling our homeless people rather than just like all homeless people are the same? Like I don't, the homeless people who live in my own neighborhood, they have a greater claim on me because they're my neighbors. And yeah, that's, and that's not, some... and that's not this Christian love your neighbor thing. That's this humanist I want, like, I want to make the most of my goodness and my neighbors are better investments. Yeah. And there, and there will hopefully be humanists in other, in other cities that do the same for theirs. Yeah. Whoever. Those are some good insights. Yeah. yeah who who, who really asked good. that question? Cause he's probably going uh, that like. That was a guy, that was a guy called Mark in England. Yeah. And Bristol, Mark's, Mark's probably like, I'll never ask you another question. You never <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Do you want to answer one more? My my idea for this uh, format is to sort of have a a little bonus question at the end of every one of them that's shorter. Yeah, I mean it's short if I'm if I can manage to shut up. <laughs> no, you're doing good. Here's the bonus question for today. Okay. And you know, people I guess can on our on our Humanize Me group and on Patreon and elsewhere 
uh, they can engage with this a little bit more online and have their own ideas about homelessness and everything else we talked about. But here's the bonus question. Do you still find any Bible verses inspirational after leaving faith and not believing the Bible as the, the word of God anymore? If so, which one? I mean, yes. I, you know, like like anyone that hears me in everyday conversation knows that I will often sort of end with a biblical flourish, you know, or, or some, so, you know, I was like a true preacher. Yeah. Or just somebody will say like somebody, you know, somebody will say something. I say, well, did you, did you, did you ask for it? And they'll say like, no, no, I didn't, I, I didn't ask for it. I was like, you know, you have not because he asks not, you know, like, <laughs> like just, just because the language is pretty and I've been using it so long. It's almost like, it's like Shakespeare, like, you know, you know, out, out, damn spot. You know, like, yeah. like <laughs> you, you just say these things because they're like in the air. They're part. They're, well, especially, yes, being raised the way you were raised or being in the part in the world that you were in yeah. for so many years. It's kind of like just baked into the recipe now. Yeah. And like, you know, or sometimes I say like, look, you know, you know, something Jesus said that I always have liked, you know. And so, yeah, I still I don't know. I don't know if inspirational is, but I sometimes I think that biblical language it's just like cursing. You know, people say, like, do you ever, you know, do you, like, like, I don't like it when people curse relentlessly, but sometimes there's no other word that will do. It really, it's the best way to communicate your thought is to just say, fuck you. And, and, yeah, and, no, and I never understood when people would say, I find people who swear have a small vocabulary. I said, well, they have like seven more words than you do. <laughs> that's good i like that but but for me biblical stories um like they're part of my repertoire so like and and i wouldn't want to throw them away but you know the other time when i the, the time when i use the bible the most is when i'm in conversation with christians because christianity the bible is like a language and sometimes when you want to talk to somebody and really communicate you you find it's better to speak in their language. You know, it's funny. I was at, at when I was at East Lake Church. The talk I gave, because that church has gone through such a journey that everybody that's in it, some family member or friend, is is worried about the journey they've been on. It's like, oh, you're not a Christian anymore. Oh, you you're okay with gay people now, or oh, you know. And and so, the talk was all about like, how do you relate to people? who think differently how, how how do you as a non-trump supporter relate to your trump supporter uncle you know and and so i was given all these helpful handy tips i actually think that's a pretty good talk if, if you check it out like i i think it's a good talk but at one point i said listen it's really hard for your christian family and friends to have a, a meaningful conversation with you if they're worried that you're going to burn in hell through all eternity so sometimes if you want to have a great relationship with them, you're going to have to become an apologist for the grace of God. And you're going to have to learn Bible verses. And I started reading them Bible verses, you know, um, mm -hmm. the Lord is not slow about his promise as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. That's in second Peter three, nine. And, and then one of the verses for as an, for as all die in Adam, so all will be made alive in Christ. And I see, you got to know those verses. And you say, you say to your Aunt Mary, hey, Aunt Mary, you know, in 1 Corinthians, it says that all will be made alive in Christ. I wonder if that, I mean, is it possible that maybe God's going to find a way to slip us all, the God that you believe in is going to find a way to slip us all in under the wire? 
And I, <laughs> and I love that verse. I loved it when I was a Christian because it gave me hope that like I didn't have to condemn everybody in my life to hell. Now I use it and I, I sh- like I share that verse with, verse with my dad when he's worried, you know, when, when he tells me he's troubled about, you know, the stuff. He, he's kind of haunted by the voices of his fire and brimstone preachers of his past. And you say, well, why would you quote that verse to him? You don't believe it's true. And I go, no, I don't. But he does. Right. Like, it's still useful. It's still useful. And so, and so I, you know, I, I find that stuff can, can be, so some of the verses I find, I, I genuinely find beautiful and they're the best way to express be, certain beautiful thoughts. I mean, you, you and I were talking earlier, like you were saying like some of the Proverbs that in the book of Proverbs, like, you know, those same Proverbs appear all over the world in other cultures. And like, they have nothing to do with God. They're just like, yeah, you reap, some things are just sort of like generalized wisdom. You reap what you sow. Well, yeah. now that, okay, that's, you know, and you go like, well, if it says it in the Bible, that's bullshit. And you go like, you know what? Like, that's just good farming. Um, well, or you think about things like the golden rule, which are, you know, essentially articulated by Jesus, but just about every other wise leader. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, Bart. Hey, with this, thank you for doing this for me. This was, it was, it was much easier for, I would have started over 17 times and like, <laughs> like it's much easier for me to do this podcast with, when I, with you When I jump me. on the mic. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, well, it's, it's funny because, um, you know, when people forget, you know, even though there's an audience there of thousands, when you talk just to a mic. It's hard. It can, yeah, it is hey, hard. And so if you're listening and, you know, I will be really interested. I always say like, I'll let me know what you're thinking and stuff. But like, if you're like, I hated this episode because it was different, you know, like, it, or, or if you're like, that was great. That was helpful. More of that. Like, if you've got anything for us right now, this is the time to weigh in on the, on the Humanize Me Facebook page or just by sending an email. Um, this is the time to weigh in because we're trying to reshape this thing in a way that, that, that the people that are supporting it and the people that are listening to it will like it more and will share it more with other people. So please let us know what you're thinking. And we will catch you next time on the other side with more Humanize Me. For more information about the work of Bar Campolo, please visit barcampolo.org. <laughs>